Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Caesar and the Wise Guy Podcast, episode twenty-five, and this is Caesar. And this is the wise guy over here. Hey, yo. Yeah, Mike, it feels good to have 25 episodes under our belt. No matter how far we go with this, it's been quality. So I want to say thank you to all our listeners out there. We're going to keep this thing going. And today, we're going to get into the Draymond Green rant about the NBA double standard, Fernando Tatis Jr. agreeing to a mega extension with the Padres, and Carson Wentz finally getting traded to the Colts. Today, we're also going to debut our newest segment called Get It Off Your Chest, Mike the Wise Guy and I each have something we'd like to get off our chest. So if you guys haven't subscribed to our podcast, you can do so on all major platforms like Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts as well. Email us to Caesar at CaesarAndTheWiseGuy.com. And now it's time to get on with the show. All right, let's set it off. Hope everybody's doing well out there. Thank you for listening. Thanks for following. This is our 25th episode. It's the quarter century mark. I want to thank you for keeping up with us. Much love out there. This has been quite a ride for us. We started this a little over six months ago, and we are going to keep the sports buzz rolling. Yeah. Let's set it off with some and one. Always one of my favorite topics to get into the NBA, but this episode wouldn't be a great episode without some drama to it. So... So we're going to start off with Draymond Green calling out the double standards in the NBA right? and the treatment of the players. He says that they deserve a lot more respect. And I can agree with that to an extent because players can also have it both ways. I don't think. I think that there needs to be some sort of balance. I think that there needs to be a lot more communication. For example, I agree with what Dwayne Wade said, that players, I mean, they can get traded away at any moment without the organization even communicating with them. They hear it through social media. Mm -hmm. They can hear it through strangers in the street coming up to them and saying, hey, I heard you got traded before they even heard about it. That's a horrible, disrespectful thing. There needs to be a lot more communication and a lot better of it. But I also agree with like things like Charles Barkley and what he has to say is, that the organization is also sitting this player because like, what if he gets injured? That's a huge asset. And what if that player has a huge contract? You don't want to give away major injured player for less than what you can get of him. You don't want to give away an injured player and another team isn't going to want to take an injured player for as much compensation as they were willing to give at first. And I agree. Yeah, Draymond was basically saying as a quote unquote, as a player, he says, you're the worst person in the world when you want a different situation, but a team can say whatever they want when they're trading you and to be professional. And if not in shape, their careers on the line. He says at some point, the league has to protect the players from embarrassment like that. So he feels that it's embarrassing to the players. Right. Like, I mean, I look, I look at it like this. I think there definitely needs to be some sort of balance because neither the player nor the organization can have it both ways. And communication is a huge factor. So is respect. I get it. As long as the player keeps showing up, though, he keeps cashing those checks and mm-hmm. he's not getting not hurt. Good. He's not getting hurt or anything resting on the bench. He's not putting miles on his legs. He should be thanking the organization, <laughs> to yeah. be quite honest with you. And Harden had to play when he was either fat 
that or not (laughs) (laughs) before he got traded to Brooklyn. I mean, he was getting scrutinized for Mm -hmm. the way he handled the situation and they still made him play. Andre Drummond is just having to sit on the bench in some street clothes. He's not putting any miles on those legs. He's just getting a rest. And I'm not going to lie, when I first saw late at night, no one expected this from Draymond, unannounced in other words. I'm not going to lie, when I first heard it, I applauded the man and I still do. I dropped my jaw and say, wow, this is pretty great. That's a great delivery. And now looking back at it, I mean, it actually sounded a lot better the first two times I listened to it. Then when you get more into it, I kind of felt like it was further up for more interpretation. And I immediately knew, just like you were saying, this man was going to be scrutinized. I even told you, I really hope Stephen A. Smith from First Take does not rip this man a new one. And and it actually Mm. ended up being Max Kellerman that ripped him. And even on Undisputed with Skip Bayless, he really got worked up. I mean, I didn't realize how worked up this man got. I was like, this guy sweat. It's almost as if his Cowboys and Spurs lost a big game on the same day. That's how you signed a contract and you. (laughs) Yeah, he was pounding the he was pounding the table. His face was getting red. I'm like, hold on, hold on, man, just calm down. But I also didn't realize we had a bunch of shut up and dribble type people out there in this world as well. Made famous by Laura Ingram there at Fox. Something that's gonna follow her for the rest of her life. But at the same time, I actually really do get sick and tired when people say, hey, you get paid good money. My interpretation is like, okay, so yeah, they get paid good money, but does that just automatically make them less human? If it was really all about the money, then emotions wouldn't matter. Thus, you wouldn't even have a drive to win as a player. So yes, it does affect their mind. So when fans, even when fans say, hey, you get paid millions of dollars, you can deal with it. I mean, to me, it's just Mm -hmm. a tired argument. I've said this before. I really feel there's some good points that Draymond makes, but at the same time, I understand as a player, you sign a contract. We don't even read all the fine print. I'm sure there's things in the fine print that can go against what Draymond said. And then now LeBron co-signing with him. And I don't know if you ever got to see the video of the post game when they were asking LeBron James. He actually proceeded before he even said his opinion. He said, actually, no, I'm not really ready to talk about this. I wasn't going to speak about this. And he's one of the most influential players on the court. Right. And then after he said he really didn't want to talk about it, then he proceeds to talk about it, which is a bad mistake because if you you perceive things like that, then you're not really ready to say what you really have to say. So you might end up regretting saying something you really don't want to say. So I got to understand how this whole entire thing got out of control, man. It did. It did. It really got out of control. And so much by social media and the internet and so many analysts. Anyway, enough about that drama. Let's hit the mega deal. Let's talk about some baseball. Because spring training started. But before we get into any of that, I want to talk about this mega deal. It was almost like a Patrick Mahomes type deal. (laughs) Fernando Tatis Jr. signs a mega deal with the Padres. It was 14 years, 350. 40 million contract extension. Yes. The star shortstop. He committed to the Padres for a long, long time. He's one of the third top Major League Baseball contracts in history, along with Trout and Mookie Betts from the Dodgers. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Who signs a deal? And 22 years old, too, man. That's unbelievable. That's what gets me on the, uh, he's 22 years (laughs) old, and have we seen enough of him to give him this Well, he has 39 total home runs in his career. I think only like 27 stolen bases, but sure. But does he deserve it over others? Like you've been talking a lot about Soto. I'd say Lindor is the next up to deserve a major contract. These I, aren't I honestly Yankees think you could have given. 
given the same type of deal to Juan Soto of the Nationals. I mean, I think he deserves it just as much. And he has, I mean, he's a he's a world champion. He won it with the sure. Nationals. So you've seen what he does in the playoffs. I know Tatis had a couple big homers during the playoffs just last year, but, you know, Juan Soto hits off Garrett Cole when he was with the Astros. I mean, that's clutch. He's got the clutch gene. But anyways, going to Fernando Tatis, man, honestly think if you're going to give it to anybody, you may as well give it to him. Yeah, it's questionable. He doesn't even have 40 home runs, but everyone knows just watching him, just the eye test. You already know this guy's going to be a major star. It would be more perplexing to the human mind if for some reason Fernando Tatis Jr. just slips, falls off, or he's not what he was or what he's expecting. All you have to do is see five highlight films, whether it's defensively on shortstop with the rocket arm, great defensive fielding, and his ability to just hit home runs at any given moment. So, And his bat flip is just spectacular. It's just classic. I mean, this is what baseball needs. This is huge for baseball. It will create more competitive play. Hopefully, he'll be like the next Ken Griffey Jr. of like the late 1980s when he came out. He was a talk. Everyone was trading his baseball card. Baseball currently does have Mike Trout. He is the best baseball player out there today. But in comparison, he's not as dynamic or engaging. No, he's not as when fun it comes to, to Yeah, when it comes to personality, Fernando Tatis has a whole entire package. And he's a new face cover for MLB The Show 2021, the video game, which is going to yeah, come out on PlayStation right. 5 and Xbox. So he's got it going right now. Yeah, San Diego Padres are spending an awful lot of money on that infield, though, between Tatis oh, and yeah, that's Machado crazy. with $300 million and a couple of others, and then their pitching staff with Hugh Darvish and Blake Snell, and then people say the Yanks buy their players. Come on, man. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, not as often as they used to, but yeah, when they got players like A-Rod, I mean, A-Rod actually had a chance to go to the freaking Boston Red Sox, but he oh, chose a Yankee because they're the Yankees. I can name a whole list of players who the, the Yankees, uh, Yankees bought. By their players between the San Diego Padres, the Angels, the Dodgers. Get out of here. And here's another funny thing. When Tatis's uh, 14-year contract ends, it'll actually be the same year the Mets make their last payment to Bobby Bonilla. I can't even explain the amount of memes on social media for that one. Bobby Bonilla with the best contract in sports history. A million dollars a year guaranteed for at least the next, what, 15 years. Unbelievable. Bobby Benia is the man. I wish I had his agent in my life. Yeah, he once played with Barry Bonds back in the Pirates day. That's when I first remember seeing Bobby Bonilla. Unbelievable. Let's move on to some more drama. While we're on the drama subject, and it's not Deshaun Watson, even though the Carolina Panthers are freeing up that money, even though Teddy Bridgewater is having some new ties with the team right now on social media. So it looks like Deshaun Watson might be a sleeper for the Panthers. They're freeing up that money. Yep. But Carson Wentz got traded to the Indianapolis Colts. Hey, C's, do you want to let everybody know, like, what was the compensation he got traded for? Yeah, so the Philadelphia Eagles, they agreed to trade. Carson Wentz was a 2016 number two overall pick. Right. Now he's going to the Colts for a 2021 third round pick and a conditional 2022 second round pick that could eventually turn into a first. So a first, right. If he con- plays up to a certain amount. Like yeah, if he and there's also conditions with 75% so- of his snap. And then uh, to- also the 70% of offensive snaps and the Colts have to also make the playoffs. That's another condition. Okay. 
So, so there's a lot of stipulations to even get. So, so they gave him up for basically bag of chips, maybe a first round pick. They did not get a Stafford deal like they wanted. So Wentz was supposed to be the Eagles quarterback for years and they invested a lot in drafting him. The 128 million extension that they gave him and now he's gone and they have to eat up all that dead cap space too, which is the most in NFL history, right? It's like 33 million or something in dead caps space but the eagles get some draft compensation and a good chance for the next couple of years and it works good i think he's working with his own quarterback coach so his career may surge and i actually wish him good luck because i don't think you can get any worse than he did with the 2020 season you can't go any further down so he's got to go back up he's got a good defense with the indianapolis coats back him up initially the eagles messed up by firing doug peterson i know there was some head bumping with the quarterback and the head coach i think the team just lost their mojo you saw what happened when they took Wentz out and they put the backup quarterback in. All of a sudden, the team wanted to perform. A lot of it was unfair for Wentz. I don't think he actually got the biggest opportunity to prove himself with the Eagles. And I never liked his new head coach, Nick Sirianni. I don't know if you had a chance to see that press conference talking about, you no, know, and, and this team's going to now do things differently. We're going to initiate a system in place where it's going to make things easier for the players, but we're also going to work hard. I mean, no one wants to hear that. No one wants to hear some gimmick type of introduction. It was like someone wants a real head coach and say, Hey, look, this is what's going to happen and we're going to strive for this and kind of keep it short and simple and prove it. Let actions prove it for yourself and the rest of the team. Don't come up with some gimmick type of introduction. And that to me is going to turn off a lot of players already. You saw what happened with Adam Gase with his press introductory conference. You don't think players remember those type of things in a first impression. So it may end up just shooting them in the foot. Yeah, you know? it, so. It, it just may, but we'll see what Jalen Hurts could do. Wentz had his best season with Reich back in 2017 when Reich was his OC in Philly. He was his offensive coordinator. Right. And he threw an Eagles franchise record that year. He threw 33 touchdowns and only seven interceptions. And he had like a 102 passer rating. He was third in MVP voting that year, possibly number one in some people's eyes. So Reich being the head coach in Indy now and having probably the second best O-line in the entire league tied with Green Bay Packers and some playmakers, it could be worth it. But Reich has to recreate that quarterback again because Mentally, it could be a lost cause for Wentz. He could be damaged goods after Jalen Hurts got drafted, after he was benched, after all that yeah, scrutiny. Right, so right. the coach has to find that magic again. And, and if he does, it'll be worth it. I think they will. I think they will. I don't see why they couldn't. I mean, they've already proved they can. So I don't see why, especially you got a defense to back you up. So if your defense can only allow 16, 17 points maximum a game, all you got to do is score three touchdowns and you win the game. But before we move on, I want to say I was kind of hoping that Andrew Luck was going to come out of retirement to come back for the Colts. (laughs) But I guess that didn't happen. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on. We have uh, we have something pretty cool, pretty cool segment for this episode. Get it off your chest. I woke up this morning and I had a lot on my chest and I had a lot to get off my chest. You but... always have something to get off your chest. <laughs> but sports wise, sports wise, I always have a lot to get off my chest too. But I was thinking about what would be something I can tell my listeners and followers that I wanted to get off my chest. And I have let's a go. lot I'm ready. to say. I'm, I'm ready. the wise guy over here. Remember <laughs> that. 
the NBA has definitely evolved over the years. We all know that from Michael Jordan to Kobe Bryant to Steph Curry and Dame Lillard shooting threes from the logo. Now, in the way the game is played to its style to everything, it's changed. So if you're a fan of the game like me, you've been part of the old school versus new school era conversations. So I want to get a few things off my chest. The new school rules that I feel have affected the game in a negative way and taken away from the physicality and the beauty of the defense. Like back in the day, like the bad boy Pistons and the Bulls and the Knicks with John Starks and when Anthony Mason used to play and all those guys. So like the first rule coming around to the 2000s that changed was the no hand checking rule that altered the entire play of basketball. It altered the play by reducing contact in the game and it made the game much faster maybe a little bit more skilled in some areas but definitely took away from the beauty of defense because I can't imagine like John Starks from the Knicks and Michael Jordan go at it without any hand checking and without using your hands to keep your opponent's movement in check Mm -hmm. so defensive players would keep their mitts all over the dudes they were guarding and restrict their ability to create and to create, I mean to create basketball plays. So they would literally restrict them from their ability to do that. That was the beauty of defense. And it later led to the Kevin Durant rules where he's awarded two foul shots. And I don't mean it's an official rule, the Kevin Durant rules, just called the Kevin Durant rule because since Kevin Durant is one of the best players on the planet, he gets awarded the shots all the time for initiating contact with a defensive player's hands and forearms. It drives me crazy when the defender is supposedly entitled to an area that he occupies first, or so the rule book says. Yeah, so like, plus Kevin Durant could really technically shoot over anybody if he wants to at any given time, true. it seems. True. I mean, but it happens everywhere. It happens on the extra point for the three-point shots where shooters will just initiate contact and the defender is just standing there and they initiate the contact. I mean, if you're going to initiate the contact, you're the one causing the foul, Um, especially when the defender is occupying his space first. He shouldn't be called for the foul. So that really bothers me a lot. Also in the 2000s, there was the defensive three-second rule, the three-second violation. This doesn't bother me as much, but I might as well just talk about it because this opened up the entire game. This wasn't there in the 80s and 90s, obviously. Yeah. The three-second violation when an offensive player would drive to the lane. Obviously, a big defensive player would be standing there waiting <laughs> for him. Yeah. And it's also so, kind of like a game killer. If you're watching the game, all of a sudden you hear like that whistle blow. You're like, what the hell just happened? It's like, oh, three seconds. What right. the hell? Right. Exactly. <laughs> and, and that's because somebody's standing in that, yeah, three, I mean, like, in that was, little circle under the net too long. Like, who cares? I mean? It's like, just let him play. Like, who cares? Exactly. And that's where we saw some like hard fouls and things like that. But so what? If you have the guts to drive to the lane and, you know, try and dunk, taking a risk of getting underneath with the big men. 
you know, the rule changes for the offense had a huge effect. You know, to me, it was like juicing the balls for more homers mm-hmm. at a ballpark. So in baseball, do you want to see pitchers going at it or as opposed to a complete slugfest in the ballpark? Right. That's, so, a, good, that's a pretty good comparison, too. Yeah, exactly. So the defensive strategy and beauty is just not possible today. So yeah, I think and- the league kind of like sold out for that. So. And it makes me wonder, too, is like over the years, it's gone to where the players are now playing soft. But it's really just like you right. said, it's been the implementation of the rules that led to players wanting to get away and allowing players like LeBron James making these ridiculous flop moves, which yes. in my opinion, I don't yes, know if anyone had a chance to see that. It's not the players who are really soft, though. It's just that they've grown accustomed to playing a softer game because of the rules changes. And, that, and that's unfortunate. So. But I really hate seeing players because LeBron. James, he's an old school fan. He's a Michael Jordan lover. He's a biggest fan. He says, you know, where's number 23? We all know that. So if he's a fan of the old school, he saw how the games used to be played. It was more physical, right? Sure. Why is it, even though the league allows it, that I don't understand how he finds it within him when he does like these crazy flops where there's I know. absolutely no contact from like two feet. Reminds me of like Rocky where he's punching the air and he's just flopping to the floor. I mean, like, does he really look himself in the mirror the next morning and say, yeah, I made the right move. That was cool. You know, we got some points off of that. I made a couple three point shots and things like that. Like, how do you look the, at yourself? Like, I know how do you the be flops considered, bother you. Yeah. Right. When we did our top 10 NBA players of all time, I think I would have put LeBron further down closer to number one if he didn't do stuff like that. This is my honest opinion but i really hold that against him when it comes to being the greatest of all times that you don't flop like that well anyways that's something i wanted to get out my chest and alongside what you were just saying about getting something off your chest but yeah yeah. no i i completely agree with you and before we get on to what you want to get off your chest i just want to say while we're on basketball real quick before we just move on everybody who's listening out there damon lillard got snubbed by luka Doncic for the starting (laughs) for the starting role in the all-star game he should have been in the backcourt with Curry. I think everybody knows that. Dame Dollar, you got snubbed, boy, if you're listening. Well, I mean, Dame Dollar, he's about to go off. You know, he's going to use that as motivation. And of course, you have to have either Luka or Curry. I just think he's the most clutch point guard right now. You know, number one in the NBA, like at the clutch buzzer. So I, I mm-hmm. think it should have been him and Steph. He's averaging 30 a game. I think Dame is a little bit more worthy than Luka. That's all. But what do you got to get off your chest, man? Come on. We want to hear it. So uh, I do have something I want to get off my chest, and it's just I really feel that NFL is more a sports entertainment and baseball is a competitive sport. Let me elaborate. And everyone's like freaking out, like, what are you talking about? So going back to the Super Bowl, my opinion, I really feel that the officials, the officiating, their initiative was to make sure Tom Brady wins a game. Tom Brady's game plan, what they so you're did saying to- they fixed the game. Not that particular game, because let me finish what I was about to say. That game against Pat Mahomes, it was all Tom Brady, but that's who the officials would have won. Wanted to win the game if the game was close. Now, if you go back to past Super Bowls, especially the Super Bowl prior to that, it was obvious that the officials worked their little magic and leaned their way into making sure that the 49ers will win that game. Let me elaborate. So we have Super Bowls where people forget that the officiating could decide the outcome. The NFL constructs a crew of referees who had never worked as a team in the whole entire season. So two weeks literally before that in a championship game, they have teams of referees who know how to work together. But when it comes to the Super 
Super Bowl is just random. So it doesn't make any sense. They have the luxury of making no calls that are just as vital to who wins the game. It's amazing to me how this is not much of a headline going into the biggest game in American sports. It's gotten to the same level of like shady judges and boxing with inexplicable scorecards to favor a boxer. I mean, I can't wait for that future documentary that exposes this scandal when players and people eventually speak up. We know it's happened with basketball. There's that NBA referee who admitted that he was fixing games due to gambling, sports betting, and it was going on for years and years. And he basically, I saw an interview that Pat McAfee had with him about a year ago, and they asked him, former NBA referee, if he feels is going on with the sports. He said, absolutely. I mean, I have to kind of believe that. And people forget that NFL is sports entertainment, and it's not really as competitive as baseball. Let me, let me explain it. So with football, it's strategical when it comes with the referees. They can purposely call penalties against the team they favor to make it appear as if it's fair and even, but they can also make an offensive holding call that can kill an entire drive. So it's very strategic. And in comparison to like what I was saying earlier, in comparison to baseball, it's hard to fix a game with MLB because they have the ability to review plays with precision. The only way to possibly rig a baseball game is to have like the home plate umpire purposely screw up with balls and strikes and things like that. But really, good luck because NFL, on the other hand, is an embarrassment sometimes when it comes to these shady tactics. When you have millionaires, billionaires tied with sports betting, they better make sure they pick the correct team to get their money because I'm sure if they would have released some type of historical breakdown, a bet's place in conjunction with who won or which team won, it will reveal a common factor. And I think this scandal will eventually, who knows when, 20 years from now, will lead to the demise of football because it's got to that point where I think they find different ways to execute this. And no one likes to hear the word fixed because it will be kind of like a downer. Look, I know officiating has the ability to change the course of the game and they do. They always have. And obviously that's all, that's all it takes is what I'm saying. That's all it takes. And obviously there's been interviews about it. And obviously there's been stories about it. It changes the course of the game, but I don't believe in games being fixed right now. I don't, at least I don't want to believe it. And in baseball, it's actually the same. And not only at calls as balls and strikes at the plate calls being safe or not at home Mm -hmm. and things like that. You just said it right there, changing the, to me, in my opinion, like I said, it's my personal opinion, changing the course of the game is enough to change the outcome of the game. And this is the only reason why baseball is my number one sport over football. It would be football. I love football. But the only reason why baseball to me is over football is because that possibility that the games are more likely fixed in comparison to baseball. I know when a home run, a ball goes over the wall, that's automatic home run. You can't say anything about that. That's a home run. That's cut and dry. There's not like waiting. There's not waiting for a penalty flag and say, hmm, I wonder if they're just going to take that homer back. You don't have to worry about that in baseball. No, you don't. But I think that that's just something that you want to believe because they have other ways of being strategic about changing the course of the game by the way they officiate it. I think we have smart minds. I think they figure things out over the years. Football's been around for a while now, so they can be strategic with it. Like I said, they can make holding calls. When they call that 10-yard holding play for the offense, that already kills the drive. You're one referee call away from changing the outcome of the game. It's a buildup. People don't see it that way, but it is, in my opinion. I I agree, but so does calling a guy safe or not at a plate prior to home. That's why you have the replays and you can pinpoint exactly. You can see that tag that was made. It's, It's more concrete, so... 
like, like I said, officiating in general just kind of changes the course of the game. It's going to be a debate. I know a lot of people will disagree with me and say, hey, look, why don't you just enjoy the game? So I see the other argument. I'm, I'm open minded to that. Someone says, well, then don't watch football. But like, come on, I, I love football. But at the same time, to know in the big games, this happens. You know, I'm not saying all 16 regular season games are fixed. That's what I like saying about football. So. Right. Either way, we don't know for sure. Hopefully one day the truth will come out. Let us know your opinions. Let us know. Caesar and the wise guy over here. We are done with the drama for now. And we will bring you the sports buzz soon. We're going to be coming up with some classics. Hey, shout out to Texas. Want to send some love and prayers out there. I know Dak Prescott has been helping out out in Texas. Quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. He needs to be signed. And we need to do some Dak stats coming yeah, soon. Yeah, there we go. Big prayers out for Texas. I know you guys are cold, so I hope everything gets yeah, warm. I hope everything gets fixed. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Thank you for staying up with our 25 episodes. And see ya.